welcome to another episode of the Impro Pod podcast. This is the first time we've done it in the sitting room with the fire. My guest today is Belinda Connolly. Thank you for being on the podcast. How would you describe yourself? I do and have done lots of things. And yeah, I have a profile up on, on Airbnb, which is what I do quite a lot of the time at the moment. I think I call myself on that an author, chef and therapist. My biographical quip is something like standing on my head. Yeah, that's probably enough. So I'm going to play a piece of music and I want you to tell me what it makes you think of, anything that comes into your mind. Reminded me of Debussy, actually. So I was transported way back to those halcyon, glorious days of my childhood, playing in the garden alone, which I did a lot of. And it always seemed to be summer. This particular moment put me in connection with all of nature. I remember playing in little nests, which I'd make for myself. I was obsessed by clothes and I have those little press out children's books where you could get a little figure and then you put the clothes on the dolly. And I was making fairy dresses out of the petals, which I gathered from. And I used to take the dandelions juice out of the dandelions and use them to stick the petals on the dresses, which worked momentarily and then they'd all fall off. Just that feeling of peace and security and beauty and timelessness no pressures of anything, just completely in the moment, happy in nature. And the sound of bees, I think, was, was there as well. So I'd like you to tell me a, a story of some kind. I'm in my home with two children and partner in the loft bedroom which has large velux windows, and it's in the afternoon, I'm relaxing, and then I hear something resembling clawing feet of seagulls. Suddenly I'm aware that these cannot be seagulls' feet, because they don't go on and on, they fly off. So there's something of a clawing sound nature continuously and periodically stopping and then continuing outside on the roof at which point I think oh my god that sounds like a cat so I leap out of bed stark naked and open the uh, window and we live in the middle of the country at this point so there, there's not many people around to find my black cat Tinkle hanging on by his claws to the guttering staring at me with no sound but he's clearly 
been in an estate and has ended up in risk of his life. It's a high house. So I scream for my partner, Brian, to come upstairs and he rushes up. What's the matter? What's the matter? I said, Tinkle's outside on all the things that are happening. He said, I'll go and get a ladder. I said, no, you will not get a ladder. Hang me out of the window now. He said, I can't do that. I can't do that. I said, you're a strong man. I can't do that. No. I said, do it now. The voice of command slipped easily from my lips. And yes, he, he actually did hang me out by my ankles at the window and low enough that I could grab Tinkle by the scruff and pull him back in safely. I was shocked that I could be this powerfully commanding. It's a bit like out of Dune and the Bene Gesserit using the voice. And he obeyed. I'm going to break the story down into sections. You're just having a good time hanging out. And then you hear the scratching noise. And then there's the, what is that? There's a sense of questioning. This isn't quite right. And then calling your then partner. And then the commotion. And then the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. So you have to tell me another story. I was in the Highlands, the Scottish Highlands, working for Lady Maclean, who was the wife of Sir Fitzroy Maclean, who wrote Eastern Approaches, which was his amazing journey as a diplomat from Russia through to Samarkand to the east. He wanted to see Russia as it was disappearing into communism. He was one of the founding members of the SAS and Responsible for putting Tito into power through the British government, etc. So he was a kind of adventurer person, and I was interested to, to meet the guys, as well as work as a chef up in uh, 
The restaurant which they ran, the Cregans Inn. I end up there in the middle of nowhere in the Highlands, which I'd never been before. And Lady McLean had this wonderful system of getting Cordon Bleu girls to work in the restaurant in the summer. And little did she know it was a recipe for disaster because <laughs> there were the very Scottish Highland people who would love to have their own way and they had their own way of running things and they knew how the kitchen ran. And then suddenly to have some poncy English person come and tell them how to cook didn't go down particularly well. I remember one evening we had a house where all the staff were live in and there were about five or six of us who lived there and in the evenings it was cold and there was a fire and I was into keeping fit at that point and I'd be doing lots of Jane Fonda type exercises and for some reason I ended up again with no clothes on and it was on the ground floor and there was no one around it was a very isolated house so I just finished my exercise session and the curtains were open and suddenly a shadow passed by the window and I freaked out because it was quite high and I suddenly thought, oh, it's a moose. Geography not being my, my, my main point. Because the only image that made sense of somebody outside my window was a creature with long antlers. So I just thought moose. So I then, still with no clothes on, stick my head out of the window to see what was going on. So there was me, topless, dangling out the window, and I saw below the window a crouching figure, at which point I leapt back about six feet. Luckily, managed to grab a dressing gown. I was on the ground floor, ran into the sitting room where other people were, and I said, there's someone outside my window crouching. And everyone looked up in horror. One guy got the poker from by the fire, and as I was saying this, you could hear the windows slowly opening at which point everyone's blood ran cold. The head office was alerted up the road. The police came. I was told to leave my room and go and sleep up at the main house. And there was a lady who ran the whole operation called Mrs Huggins. I remember her well. She probably remembers me well too. And she was very angry with me, accusatory. What are you doing disporting yourself in front of everybody to see? And I was stung because I'd been deeply scared. And I said, I am no Jezebel, Mrs. Huggins. And she said, that's your words, Belinda. So eventually I went back, nothing was stolen. And I just think someone was having a real laugh in the neighbourhood. So I never was able to go into the pub after that and not suspect one of the locals.
What do you think about? Yes, I really like the almost ominous, like almost jaws, like duh, 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 duh. <laughs> I tried to get the sense of isolation. Imagine the mists of drifting over the mountains and stuff. And then introduce this sense of, what the hell is this? This, this shadow. Yeah, lulled it into complete relaxation and then all was not well. So what, what did you get from this podcast? Just such a great way to raise memories and then for them to be beautifully translated into a deepening or re-experiencing it through someone else's imagination. And it creates a richer experience for me. So when you think back on those memories now, do you think the soundtrack will have an influence? Yeah. The beauty at some level has been enhanced in terms of it just being real life at a distance now. It's not like I'm reliving the trauma of it. The atmosphere and the countryside in which these things happened, that reimagining, it makes me want to go back to Scotland anyway. And my dear cat, I'll always miss him. The early memory of my childhood playing in the fields, that'll stay with me for a while. So do you have an association with Debussy with that kind of memory? Very much so. Being in nature. And the imagination of a child intertwining with the natural world has made me feel part of that in a way that disappears with childhood. I was very fond of Grimm's fairy tales and the Arthur Rackham illustrations. I have them around my house even now. Were very strong imaginative realms that I completely absorbed as a child. And those beautiful, romantic, Pictures helped me deal with night terrors and all those sorts of things. Not everything was beautiful, but it was real. And part of it's musical. Listening to my mother play the Moonlight Sonata as a child, hearing her grief in a way, because the marriage wasn't working very well, come through with that as well as music was part of my childhood and image and my fairy tales, which were really important to me. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Join us next week for another episode of Impro Pod. Thanks for listening.